0: Yep, how are you today? I am very good, how are
1: you? Dude, living the dream. Everybody, welcome back to the Reasonably Prepared Podcast. And I have a special day today. Actually, you know, I guess all the podcasts are special days because we don't do as many podcast episodes at this point as I would like. Um, And we don't do them as many as the YouTube videos. But uh, we did a contest, a giveaway on Reasonably Prepared channel and uh, for the month of September, which was National Preparedness Month. And lo and behold, the person who won, the guy who won, is also a content creator, and he lives not far from me. So I was like, hey, bro, why don't you just come on down? We'll make some content, we'll do a podcast, we'll yap a little bit. Uh, And that is gonna be Jose of Unknown Survival. Say hello, my friend.
0: How's everybody doing? This is my first podcast. It's a little weird. Uh, I'm getting used to it. Uh, I've never been used to listening to my own voice.
1: Oh, is it messing with you you in the mic? It's a little bit, uh,
0: yeah. (laughs) I spent uh, the better part of my
1: life, my adult life, my young adult life, my youth, listening to myself through microphones, being in bands, singing in bands, all that kind of stuff. So it's just second nature to me. I don't remember what it's like to hear it for the first time.
0: It's uh, it's a little weird. I'm, I'm talking and I can hear it at the same time. So I don't know how fast I should talk. As fast as you like. But uh, it's, a, it's a new experience, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So where's the gear? Uh, so just FYI, yeah, I filmed the podcast, but the podcasts are really just audio. So we can look at the camera and say hi to people, but really it's just it's the audio, and I just offer that up for the fun of it as well. But what happened? What'd you win?
0: Uh, <clears throat> I got this 3V gear backpack with a bunch of goodies. And uh, we can go through them real quick. We put some stuff in there for you. We have a Sawyer's Mini water f- filtration. Sorry, English <laughs> is not my first language, so I have to say that. So do you, hold on, you start like English is your second language? It is. Dude, that's rad. I, uh, I, I, was, I was born in Mexico. Oh, right on. And I stayed there for a few years, came over here, learned English, and uh, Spanish is my first language, so yo puedo hablar español muy bien. Right on. I have no idea. But then uh, Caleb speaks Spanish awesome yeah
1: producer caleb yeah so he'll talk he can talk I, I i'm i know enough to get by while i'm working uh but the rest of the family my kids and my wife they all speak spanish really well and i wish i did
0: i also uh, learned english uh very young so i i i can talk english it's just some words are hard to pronounce yeah like if i say button it sounds kind of weird really <laughs> or there's words that um i can say it in my head and i know what they mean i just cannot pronounce them like what don't be embarrassed like no, I'm, no, no. I'm out of good curiosity there it just has, has kind of happened naturally i'll say something i'm like that's not how it's supposed <laughs> to sound and now that i can hear myself talk it's like now i can pick up more words yeah but um well how but, old when you when you came to the states uh I, you, like your folks of course yeah. Right? yeah uh i came by when i was five. Oh, right on and so uh, I, I didn't go to school in mexico or nothing i went uh-huh. to school here okay and so that's why uh, to me, English is actually, I was talking to my buddy about this, English is my first language that I think in my head. So whenever I'm thinking to myself or I'm doing anything, it's always in English because it's wow. more, more natural. Right. But I learned how to speak
1: Spanish first. So your 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 mind and your muscle memory formed Spanish, like muscle memory, mm-hmm. in, as far as the way you speak. So speaking English words becomes a bit more of a challenge, even though you think in English? Yes. God, I can only imagine. So
0: it's 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 a mixed up in my head. So... Sometimes I'll think in both languages, yeah, and I confuse myself. <laughs> but uh, it's a uh, it's a process because uh, my kids they uh, they learn both languages, good. And I can yeah. tell with them too; they get mixed up. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell like what's what. But I uh, I learned at a very young age uh, to speak and read English because I didn't learn how to read or write Spanish until maybe high school. Oh, okay. So I knew how to talk, you know, how to speak, but the in, reading in and home, writing, mm-hmm. like in home speak, yeah. and it was. In, it, it was even uh, more slang than formal. Mm-hmm. I learned that when I went to Spanish class, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. Uh, no, I, I failed. So, what? Because, you know, anybody could talk, but when you start reading and writing, and Spanish has all these rules, you realize, like, oh, my God, I, I don't know anything.
1: Well, what? and I'm noticing, I say I'm noticing, uh, like I have a, an, a I, I was about to make a statement like I have this abundance of information in it, but just so a personal observation, um, having lived in other places, states in this country all over the country i mean they're moving down here um and i mean there i mean spanish is spanish but there's also different types of spanish and mexicans speak here from mexico uh, you know that come over to work or, or you know whatever it is a different type of spanish than like formal spanish oh yeah that, or what they try to teach in school it's it is a it's like mexican spanish almost like yes we speak english in the united states but in england it's a whole different english
0: yeah i think it's an accent yeah. And so I have, uh, I've been around a lot of people and I've been able to mimic their accents. Ooh. Like for Spanish, for me, Mexico Spanish, it's very slow and it's very pronounced. Like, hola, ¿cómo está usted? Mm-hmm. Yo me llamo Jose. Mm-hmm. But now you're talking Puerto Ricans, which I used to hang out around. And it's yeah. like, hola chico, que pao contigo, que va lo que? Cubans. Yeah. And it's.
1: Talk so fast.
0: I, uh, I speak Spanish and yes. I can read and write it. But when I hang out with my Puerto Rican friends, it's like, what did you say? because it's so fast uh, it's like but they understand what they say and yeah. they have um slang and our slang is totally different like one of their words in slang means a bad word in my language and i'm like but no but, way but it's spanish they're both spanish huh but it's just slang it's almost like if you get someone from new jersey and someone That's from, I'm from texas yeah it's very different you know oh yeah, yeah, yeah you say y'all yeah uh, new jersey says you guys That's what i do yeah and uh even though it's english even though it's the same English it's just different accents different slang yeah makes sense cuz i speak so much well
1: i've had to learn how to speak slower moving down to the south from where i grew up which is the northeast mid-atlantic you know pennsylvania philadelphia maryland that whole area mm-hmm. and i moved away from there i think when i was 20 years old and when i first moved down here it was really dramatic where i was just you know so fast and the poor folks down here were like son can you can you slow down <laughs> so i've had to learn how to slow down which i appreciate actually about the south that oh, yeah. it kind of moves a little slower and people are more methodic and they're you know more personable if you will and everybody's so short and cold and fast like they are up north um and it, you're saying it's similar for for the different dialects dialects that's mm-hmm. what it is for the spanish speaking as well
0: oh yeah i think a lot of it is um it's what they hear when they're growing up and so that's how they pick it up you know yeah because i know um i have a a buddy from new jersey and i could never tell are you saying car keys or khakis and it's like <laughs> so he's so, from up north though yeah it's like the little things yeah but i mean we could communicate uh with different uh spanish speakers but it's like certain things you got to be like what's that mean you know wh- why are you saying that or, yeah it like, makes uh, sense or like even stuff like the biggest thing i know is like a truck uh a lot of spanish is also uh broken spanish it's uh spanglish oh yeah so yeah. a lot of people will talk and that's not actually a word you know, uh, like a truck, a lot of people want to say troca, but that's Spanglish. You know, yeah. there's no such thing as a troca. It's camioneta. Uh,
1: <laughs> but then
0: Puerto Ricans call it wawa. What? And I was like, what's a wawa? You know,
1: where I come from, a wawa is a store.
0: Yeah, it's a subway store, right? Like, well, yeah, it's like a gas station with a with a deli in yeah. it with good food. Yeah, that's a wawa. And so you start picking up like, man, we're from totally different worlds, but we're so similar, you know?
1: And then throw into the mix. Like my wife, she's from South Louisiana. And those Cajuns, mm-hmm. I can't understand a word her grandfather says. You know, I mean, I I, I have learned to now, but when we first met, I have no idea what that meant because he's speaking Cajun French.
0: Oh yeah, you know. I also think it's kind of like my son who's learning how to talk. Nobody knows what he's saying, but I know. You know, <laughs> yeah, same thing, right? Because you know how to communicate with him. You pick That's, up little things.
1: Actually, I think this is uh, pertinent to preparedness too, because if you can, you know, the reality is you know when we were talking about preparedness we talk about survival it is it the ability to communicate in any aspect of life is so important mm-hmm. and if you're able to communicate across cultural lines if we're able to communicate you know across language barriers i mean think how much more you can accomplish and how many more people you can actually help in an emergency in a in a survival situation in a you know like let's say let's say right now you and i pack up and we roll to south florida to help those folks out you're going to have a better uh, under cuz um, you know, there's a bunch of Cubans down there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mexicans and different, but Spanish speaking, Spanish speaking, you're going to have an easier time communicating and helping people out than I will trying to struggle through a language barrier. So knowing another language, I can see being huge. And if we talk about preparedness and survival being a community event and helping people, not just being the lone wolf, mm-hmm. lone man, um, you got a leg up where I don't. And that's kind of reframing our brain, I think, um, to help people out. Because so many people think that preparedness is just the doom, the doomer, uh, paranoid guy who's waiting for the government to collapse.
0: The zombie apocalypse.
1: Zombie apocalypse, which, I mean, I guess there's merit in, you know, prepping for that. But I would much rather prep for an emergency that is a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the same principles apply in case some crazy thing happens. Um, but being able to communicate across cultural barriers, language barriers, gives you a one up. Philosophically, just like if I have extra food and water to help people with, mm-hmm. right? And so, in your regular daily life, do you find that that's true as well? Where if you're just living life, you're like, hold on, I can, you know, let's say there's a guy like me, just some gringo who did barely, and you're like, hold on, I can help you discern what this person needs because mm-hmm. I speak, I, I speak the language, I understand the culture a little better than you do, old Josh, uh, and you can be um, an intermediate, and we can accomplish more. Does that, do you find that that happens even here in the States or am I making something up?
0: Oh yeah. Um, I want to say that people that speak T languages, you get paid for no matter what you do. There and you go. That's something I learned. Um, it opens doors that normally aren't open for someone who speaks one language and it helps cause, uh, everywhere I go, uh, I've been the only Spanish speaker for a long time. Uh, I told you I used to work Public Works. Yeah. Uh, the police department would call me and pick me up to go translate. No way. And, That's uh, awesome. everybody just call me, hey, come do this. Come help us. Uh, but I think it, it helped me get my foot in the door. It helps me talk to people. And I always tell people, if you know two languages, you're talking to two times the people. So you're not yeah. talking just to people who understand your language. You know, you're talking to a whole other world. And anytime, anytime you talk to somebody who speaks Spanish, even if they speak English, they will act different. I have a uh, really uh, since where I work now, I talk to a lot of people in construction, a lot of builders and uh, contractors. When you start speaking Spanish to them, mm. their whole outlook changes like they they're more friendly. They're more uh, expressive because that's their language. That's mm-hmm. what they they're used to talking. You know, they're more natural, maybe familiar. Uh, mm-hmm. And so a lot of times you'll go up to somewhere and you'll be like, oh, hello, how you doing? You know, just real business. And then you start speaking Spanish and it's like, hey, you know, what's up, buddy? We'll go? You, know, you almost start talking like in slang. You become friends because that's where they're more comfortable talking. Mm-hmm. And they're more comfortable. They're going to be more open. Yeah, that's awesome. And then uh a lot of times it helps because, you know, knowing two languages, It I always tell people it's almost like doubling up your brain. Like, you know all these things and then you learn Spanish and now you know all these things again in a different language. But part of that is, like I said, I get mixed up all the time. I try to say something and I'll even do my own Spanglish where I'm like, I think that's what it's called but just like english you know spanish has its own rules and uh-huh. you start just making up rules but you go along <laughs> well we
1: do that in english as well you know and we'll just make up phrases and then like wait a minute that doesn't make any sense you know i don't i can't think of any at the top of my head but you know how sometimes we'll be like you know hey hey look at this look at look at look at that's yeah. another thing my wife was like what when i first met she's like what's a look at i'm like i don't know what do you mean what's a look at i'm asking you to look at something you oh you mean look at yeah. and we'll start mashing together sentences and phrases um. Yeah, you know, we all do
0: that, I guess. Even depending on, I mean, any language. Oh yeah, my wife's uh, her thing to say is we notice, and I'm like, are you saying we notice or we know this? And it, it's both, you know. It's, it's both. We notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's her thing. She says, but yeah, um, learning Spanish has uh, learning Spanish first and English has helped me a lot through life, and I think that's why I really put it for my kids to learn because yeah, I'm at where I'm at. I won't say even if I didn't know Spanish, I would be where I'm at, but it's been a lot easier where I'm at. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: That's another reason why we – exactly what you said, why we – as part of our homeschool curriculum, as part of our homeschool, uh, what we do is the kids have to learn a second language. Now, they use different – they use various resources to do that between like Duolingo, um, but some of it is just total immersion where we just hang out with Spanish-speaking folks and – have him speak Spanish, Caleb. So my brother-in-law owns a a construction company called Oso construction. Mm -hmm. And, um, he's from Guadalajara, him and uh, he and his family are from Guadalajara and they've, they've moved up here. Um, and then all of, almost all of his employees are from Mexico. And so Caleb will just work with them and he won't speak English while he works with them. The producer Mm -hmm. Caleb, if he goes when, when he was younger and and worked construction with them. And so he, we, we put the kids in a position where when uncle Israel comes to visit or like my in-laws go to a church, it's, they're like the only white people there mm-hmm. and it's all it's a it's a hispanic church from mexico that also has a church plant up here and we just go hang out with them and we're like okay kids speak spanish and so they're learning how to speak spanish by the immersion of it you know mm-hmm. by Actually, having conversation with folks, um, which is entirely different than the theoretical, just book learning, which is why I guess go circling back to how you can learn how to speak Spanish growing up, mm-hmm. but then take a class, and I'm doing quotations for the camera, um, and fail, but it's your first language, yeah. like
0: you. <laughs> I can communicate, but I couldn't pass yes
1: yeah, test. some some test, and I think the ability to speak with somebody is more important than the ability to pass a test for oh, sure. Yeah. You know, um, but that was a cool little side tangent. It was, a, you know, yeah. I had no idea that we would talk about a second language as preparedness, but it makes sense. I think,
0: I think the, uh, the connection I want to do is just like preparedness and surviving. You can know the book stuff. You can pass mm-hmm. the test. You know, you can learn how to do a fire in a book, right? But until you go out there and practice, cause that's all it is. It's practice and practice. Right. And, uh, my wife, um, she is uh, really white. She's from the mountains of Caucasia. White, you know. No. Oh, she, really? is she American? She's or? fully white. She's yeah, American. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's from uh, California. She's from Fresno. Way right. down south. And uh, I told myself when I married somebody, it was going to be the most pelis, beautiful girl I've ever seen, and that was her. All right, aren't congratulations. So, but she speaks Spanish. Really? And she started by watching telenovelas. What's that? Uh, soap operas. Spanish. Oh, Mexican so, soap uh-huh. operas. Oh, okay. Or yeah. Sp- Mexican or Spanish? or. or Mexico oh, well, one she watched was from Telemundo, which is Spanish Mexican. Yeah. And she picked up words and stuff like that. And then when we got together, I would, you know, make her practice more. You know, I was like, I want you to be able to communicate with my family because a lot of my family, they speak English, but they're more comfortable in Spanish. Right. So I was like, I need you to be able to understand our jokes because uh, anytime you do a joke and you translate it, it doesn't funny.
1: No, because it's part of the culture as well that, that uh, gives. Uh,
0: Uh, relevance you know Mm -hmm. it's
1: relevant you know i guess not gives relevance to but you know like you won't it helps you interpret what the joke means if you understand culture Mm -hmm. right yeah
0: and that's a big thing and uh like i said it's never too late because she learned when she was older and all it takes is practice that's all it is just like surviving prepping or anything you want to do you can know how to do it but until you put your hands on it until you practice and practice you'll never master it
1: it's true yeah 100%. 100%. Like you said, we can read it in a book. We can take a test and then check off those boxes uh, and then get out in the woods and the wind's blowing and it's raining on you mm-hmm. and it's cold and your hands are shivery and the, y- y- there's no test for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no book test. Yeah. Only the physical test.
0: It's a uh, reality hits you hard.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, cool side teams. That was awesome. So what'd you win?
0: Okay. So, <laughs> so I got the
1: Sawyer system.
0: The uh, water filtration system. See, I did it uh-huh, all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, we got a first aid kit. It's a boo-boo kit. We got a uh, five, 550 paracord, 100 feet, and bright orange. We got a... That's a Mora Companion. Mora Companion knife, and it's bright orange, too, just so I don't lose it. Yeah. Some uh, safety glasses. Some ear protections. I don't know what else we put it in there. And the uh, oh, Blackbeard yeah. Firestarter. It's a two parter. It's a lighter. One of the new uh, plasma lighters. Yeah,
1: uh, I think it's called Plasma Arc Lighter.
0: And then the fire kit itself with the ferro rod and a couple of the uh, Blackbeard rope.
1: Yeah, which you're going to love using those. We did a full review on those. So let me just take the time right now to thank the sponsor of the giveaway. Um, Good. Yes, I'm shilling, but you guys can whatever because these companies make great products they treat us really well and we love them and we fully endorse using the blackbeard fire kits and then the 3v gear because they're making great high value backpacks great high value fire starters Um, once again when i say high value i mean at a great price is it the cheapest you can buy no it's certainly not the most expensive big name um, but you're getting really good gear i mean you can even tell here because you have bought cheap backpacks we were talking about it Mm um but if you want to get your own blackbeard fire starting kit if you want to get your own um 3v gear anything you can just click the links below you can go to the reasonablyprepared.com we have a whole uh affiliate market store They are affiliates. We do get a commission on it. It helps the channel out. It helps me bring on guests like uh, old Jose here from Unknown Survival and be able to do giveaways for people as we continue to grow. Um, It is our sole occupation in life to help people get started and become more prepared. And these are companies who believe in that vision and are helping us accomplish that. So thank you, Blackbeard. Thank you, 3V Gear and Giovanni at 3V Gear. And if you want to buy your own, once again, click the links below. Go buy even if you don't use our link I don't care go directly to their website because their stuff is so awesome you will really enjoy using it we're gonna take this stuff out in the field later today uh, and, and possibly put it to the test uh, but he's got you know good gear now to get him up and going for a, a you know get home bag or camping bag or bug out bag you can check out my review uh, on YouTube that I did on the 3v Gear locks 2 great backpack uh, and my favorite part about it is it clamshells open you can shell the whole thing open. So thank you, three big gear. Thank you, Blackbeard. Back to the podcast. So that was a really cool side tangent. So look, listen, man, tell, uh, tell reason to be prepared viewers a little bit more about yourself. You, you, you know, dad, husband, and what, what, let's see, what got you into preparedness, man? What, what into? And I say into preparedness. Yours is a bit more like on the survival side, right? Mm-hmm. That you're trying to put yourself to the test on survival things. Um, but tell you know tell me more man I'll just sit and listen you tell me how you got started cuz hopefully other people who were thinking about it who might be going through the same thing in life and you know you're younger than me I think were you early 30s 28 20 man way younger than me um, actually four, you are half my age <laughs> I'm such an old man um, so, okay so then let's let's talk about that how does a young guy in today's world navigate the insanity that's happening, not get wrapped up in fear and paranoia, but still be considered like, how do you get started? We'll, we'll, how do you, Yeah, we'll just start. To, how do you get started, man? Okay.
0: A little backstory on me. Yeah. Um, I'm 28. I uh, live here in Texas. I am oh, the, great the great state, state of, of Texas. Texas. The, Come on, man. I love it. The, I want to say the greatest, but I don't want the other states to feel bad. You know what? <laughs> let them. Let
1: I've lived in nine of them.
0: Texas is awesome. Yeehaw. <laughs> so uh i've, I've lived in texas my whole life it's uh, awesome you know I was, mm-hmm. I was born in mexico but i've been here mm-hmm. my whole life and i love it uh i am married i have three kids right on 12 8 and 4 and um, they're testing my uh, patience every day of course and i love them but um i think i didn't get into preparedness and survival stuff and even bushcrafting because i know there's there's a thin line between all of them they all equal the same, but they all want you to be ready for anything to survive. Mm-hmm. There's just a little bit of difference in all of them. Right. And, uh, well, I, I like to consider myself a survivalist, you know, okay. cause I do prepare, I do have a lot of prep stuff. I uh, have a freeze dry food, uh, uh, water and everything on the side, but it's, I also want to really push myself to like, Hey, even if I do not have any of this, how much can I survive? How long can I survive? You know, mm-hmm. how do, how do I make my own tools? But, I started when uh, I had my kids, and I realized, like, hey, if something happens, I'm going to need something. You know, if I'm driving and my tire blows out, do I have everything I need for that? You know, if my kids um, get a big old cut, and, I mean, he's bleeding, do I have anything to stop that? And it it's goes back to, like, um, if anything happens, are my kids going to be able to go through it? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be able to provide anything for them? And it's that fear because... Um, when my first my son my first son was born, it's I feared everything. Like as fe- a new dad, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I was scared. I I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, anytime he had a, a little cold, I was freaking out. I'm like, let's take him to the hospital. Let's let's do this. You right. know, it's even though I knew it was gonna be okay, that fear ate me up, and it made me feel like I I wasn't where or who I wanted to be at that time for him, and so I I felt like I needed to better myself, and the way I did that is. With knowledge i looked up into preparedness and it started off like you know how to make sure your kid's okay Uh, i knew cpr um i did go to a fire academy uh and i had my emt and i did that for a year and a half i did a volunteer and so i knew a little bit of medical stuff Mm -hmm. but when it comes to your own kids everything goes out the window you freak out you forget everything and even then i didn't have any anything but bandages you know the house so now I have tourniquets. Now I have a clogging um, material, good stuff that in case anything happens, God forbids. And right. I mean, I don't want it to happen. But if it does, I want to say at least I was ready. At least I was capable of doing something about it. And so that's how I started. So
1: uh, what I'm hearing is, which is awesome, even as a young guy is, um, I don't know, you're right. Everything, so we when you before you have kids, when you're younger, before we had kids, you talk about it. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh, no different than we talk about survivalism, or we talk about preparedness, or we talk about you know whatever. But then, the moment you're holding this innocent, fragile, life, nothing else matters but them. You realize, like, oh my gosh, I am responsible for this life. For this, Mm -hmm. I like this will not live without me, and of course your wife, and without us. and there's a, a, a sobering responsibility that comes with that. And, and it does translate into, like you said, survivalism, preparedness becomes then. Cause you think, well, okay, now I have to supply for them financially. I have to make sure there's food. I have to make sure we have diapers. I have to, but are they safe? Mm-hmm. Can I keep them safe? Well, what do I do to keep them safe? You know, and it becomes this progression. So they're starting from just wanting to be a good dad. That's, well, that's awesome.
0: That's a, uh, I've always liked preparedness and stuff. Um, I've, you know watch bear girls as a kid and i was mm-hmm. like i want to do that when i get older you know but it never hit me how much it is because being a young guy you think you're invincible nothing can touch you you can do whatever you want but then when you have your son when i have my son it was like oh my god the world is a scary place right i need to at least have some way to protect them some way to make sure they're fed because yeah i go to work we, i make money i come home buy them food but it's like what if that wasn't an option right like, what do i do then do i just panic and You know let it unfold no i want to be able to have some kind of say and like no we're we're going to make through this we're going to get through this and we're going to you know keep going and i i want to be the one that's the strong person in the family Mm -hmm. you know i want to be able to provide for them and everything but at the same time now that they're older i'm teaching them what i'm learning right because one thing is you can give your, your kid a fish or you can teach him teach him a fish Right. Yeah. And so I'm at that point in my life where now I'm taking my oldest out to go fishing, go hunting, go and do whatever. And I'm teaching them little things in life. And I like to always put survival and prepping things into like metaphors. Like this thing that I teach you here, not only for, you know, what we're doing out here, but for life. You know, there's rules that you have to follow to be able to be able to live out there. And there's going to be rules in life. So it's a teaching moment. And I, yeah. I realized when I teach somebody, someone, I learned stuff that I didn't even know I knew you know well it's
1: interesting so we home educate and my wife is finishing up college because we're going to open up a private school so she she's a passionate about um, relational style education Mm -hmm. not just here take a test and do this but what you're talking about actually gaining knowledge from somebody who's further along and one of the last stages of the learning process like because she's also a huge advocate we are of self-educating right of self learning ourselves as parents and the, you know, There's different stages of learning process. The rhetoric, the able to teach and impart knowledge into somebody else is one of the last stages in the development of mastery mm-hmm. is to be ability to pass that knowledge on to somebody else. And as parents, as a young dad, that's awesome that you're already like moving and exercising in that because you're learning, but then imparting knowledge into somebody else's teaching and it solidifies it within you. But then it gives the next generation the courage, the understanding, the knowledge they need to you know, you said something earlier that struck a chord with me while you were talking um, about, you know, like we 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 want to know and realize that the world is actually a dangerous. It's sobering. It's a dangerous can be a dangerous and scary place mm-hmm. as preppers, as survivalist. Um, my goal is to not live in any fear at all, to not engage in paranoia, to not be overwhelmed by fear and, and things that we have no control over and interestingly enough you touched on that because you know uh, you, the initial fear of being a new dad it's very real
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't want to peddle that i want to do what you just did where you're like so what can i you, you said what i interpreted you're like so what can i do to not be afraid yeah i'm gonna learn how to do things to not be afraid
0: and uh, <clears throat> a lot of stuff that we do it's free you know you yeah. can watch it on YouTube. You can. Uh, reading in a book in the library, you know, it's, it doesn't cost money to learn new skills. It takes time and effort. And to me, it's a mindset. Now, my mind's at ease. Now, I, I know I'm not 100%. I haven't mastered sure. anything. But I'm better off than I was two years ago. I'm better off than I was 10 years ago. And that's how I want to keep progressing to a point where I'm like, I'm happy where I'm at. I know what I know. And I want my son to know what I know. And that way, he can teach his son. And they keep on going. It's almost like back in the day before they had school, you did kinda of like a uh, like apprentice. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how they taught. You you pick somebody, they teach them all their secrets, they learn new stuff, and then they teach the next guy, the first guy's secrets, their secrets, right. and they just keep on going. It becomes this perfection of whatever mm-hmm. they choose. And that's what I want. Uh, what we do here are the same is we, we're not gonna be perfect. We're always mm-hmm. gonna make mistakes. But what we can teach the new guys, the new people, is not to make those mistakes. And then they'll learn, hey, They'll teach the next people the same thing, and they'll teach them our mistakes and their mistakes. And it just keeps evolving to something that everybody can just come in and not have the fear of, like, am I going to spend too much money? Am I just going to waste my time? Right. Or, because that's a lot of fear in people. It's uh, when I tell them, yeah, I do survival. I do prepping. I do videos and stuff. The first thing that they say is, oh, zombie apocalypse? And it's like, no, um, we had a really bad winter storm two years ago. And, and here, yeah. And uh, I didn't have power. Uh, but I did have food I did have water i had I had a lot of stuff and that taught me like hey I'm missing a couple things yeah but I wasn't panicking I wasn't freaking out I wasn't running around like hey uh, I don't know how to provide for my children no i i did the best that i could and i gave them a good chance you know
1: and it buys you so that's what i try to tell when i'm
0: i say i try to tell that's why I get aggravated with the
1: doomer preppers that are ca- like are gone all in on the that's it the world is ending in panic and you know whatever because it's just if you take some simple steps like you did, then you don't have to panic. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be part of the hysteria when things go crazy. Right. You know, my, my, my buddy Isaiah, um, who does the podcast with me typically, but he's had to take some time off, um, had the story of when, when the – no, it was a hurricane. Not the freeze, the hurricane. A hurricane came through Houston because he lives down in H-Town. And um, everybody's panicking, and they're panic buying. And he's stocked up and ready to go on everything, and he realized, oh, I'm running low on beer. Mm-hmm. So he went to the store, and everybody's panic buying water and toilet paper and all matter of canned goods. They're cleaning this, of course, bread. You know, I don't know why bread and toilet paper are the first to go. Um, and he's just in line with some beer because <laughs> he's like, I'm good. I, I'm at peace. I'm mm-hmm. not contributing to chaos. And we, because you don't have to. So that's what I try to re- get. Folks to realize that you don't you can buy yourself peace. You can mm-hmm. actually set what I call what I you know I've got this new term that I'm just formulating. I'm gonna call preparedness emergency preparedness being a prepper. What, what did I come up with? I'm gonna try to coin it um, preemptive disaster relief. So instead of being disaster relief, I'm just doing it before there's a disaster. Yep. Preemptive disaster relief. That way, I'm not part of the problem, and I can help my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I can help you. Uh, i can help my my mom and dad if they're unable you know or my in-laws if they're unable to cuz we're ready
0: for it one thing i want to make very very clear is yeah. um i'd never rushed to the store to buy toilet paper that Ever. was never my first idea even if i needed it i would have never done that uh, i don't know it's a it's a crazy thing i laugh about it to this day i'm like toilet paper
1: people panic buy toilet paper i don't know i w- maybe somebody can leave in the comment or con- is there a psychological why does toilet paper go first? Yeah. Even, I mean, like when COVID hit, when the, when the people went out and panic bought, to, it yeah. wasn't even that type of illness, you know, depending on what, you know,
0: you believe and fall on the political spectrum and all that doesn't matter.
1: Toilet paper.
0: Can you imagine if the sewer uh, doesn't work anymore? What are they going to do with all that toilet paper? Right. But it uh, ends up going. And to you know I, mean. I, uh, I told my wife all the time. I was like, why toilet paper? I don't understand it. It's, it's a comfort thing, you know. Like,
1: I understand water, we have to have water. You know, water is like necessity, yeah. It th- th- doesn't get any more, so people will panic by that. But toilet paper,
0: yeah. And then I told her, I was like, I don't understand. Like, I have these little uh, dry tallets, little paper towels yeah. that you have, yeah, the water. little pucks or whatever. I have thousands of them, and I'm like, that's my toilet paper. Well, yeah, if I need it, I'm like, worst case scenario, when you're trying to survive, who cares?
1: right <laughs> no. yeah exactly right
0: uh if, if it comes down to it i that's the last thing on my grocery list is getting toilet paper but i think it's a fear of people that they are going to lose stuff that they're so accustomed to um
1: yeah maybe that's my, it might be the subconscious
0: it's a comfort, comfort zone comfort. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i think uh they're more worried about that than buying food that's the first thing that always goes water and food anytime you see these uh, things happen and we had it here two years ago when the whole uh, when the freeze happened the freeze happened everything was gone gas was gone Mm -hmm. and at the time when the freeze happened i was actually still working because i worked for the city and had to work on the water lines to provide people water i went to like four or five different gas stations just to fill up gas and diesel to keep these generators running and people were buying them so much that i'm like you're causing yourself not to have water you're causing these problems like you don't need to go anywhere i don't know why you're here with 30 gallons trying to fill up. Uh, they had little five-gallon uh, containers. Mm-hmm. They were filling out like four or five of them. I'm like, why?
1: Yeah, what was really ironic, too, is when we panic, we don't think rationally. And let's say, now, if you're evacuating because you know the freeze is coming, okay, you need some gas to get to get out of town. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. But those of us who just stayed here, which was the bulk of people, just
0: it was all over Texas. What are we going to do, leave? We
1: uh, Texas don't leave.
0: We don't, we don't give up. No,
1: that's, actually, that's a whole... Another awesomeness about the Texas grit, but you're right. They don't, um, especially hurricanes and all that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're sheltering in place and stuff anyway, what are you, well, you're not driving anywhere. Mm-hmm. So long as your vehicle's topped off.
0: It's a fear that they have, they just need to have. Now, it. if
1: you've got generators, okay, that, that that's another understanding, but most, not a lot of people had generators and we're trying to run generate. I don't know. it.
0: Um, it's a, it's a panic because I've seen it before. It's, um. do you remember when they had a, like something going on in Houston and the coast where they're saying, Hey, we're going to be low on gas for a little bit. This was like four or five years ago. First thing people did was run to the gas station and fill up their vehicles. And right. They, and what did that do? It created, it
1: created more problem. Yeah. There, yeah.
0: There was more shortage. Now if everybody did what they were supposed to and just filled up when they needed, we would have been fine. Well, let's be real. People don't, they don't, they, they right? panic, They. which is once
1: again, coming back, which is why it's not weird that we prepare. Mm hmm. Because we're just being rational, yeah. Right. And if you're, you know, if you're new to all this, and you're like, I don't want to be thought of as a weirdo, and I don't want my family to think I'm crazy, and blah blah. You know what? The reality is, own own the new mindset, own the new way of thinking. That actually, they're the weirdos. Other people. Like I'm not trying to be uh, polarizing here, but the truth is, the people who don't take the time to at least somewhat prepare. Okay. I tell people, you, Dave Ramsey. You know who Dave Ramsey is the financial. He teaches. Hey, have a have an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Have a you know have a. Some people have a credit card as an emergency fund. Some people put five hundred dollars in the envelope as an emergency fund. Some people put a thousand. Well, if that's the all we're doing with food and water and medical and a plan is having an emergency fund. Yep. It's actually a rational, logical progression to not be fighting with people when they do panic. So. It's actually not fear, it's not paranoia, it's not panic to think ahead and
0: plan. So, what did the Indians, the Native Americans do when the winter came?
1: They packed up and moved. Yeah. They would know it was coming.
0: And they got uh they got all their supplies mm-hmm. before the storm came in. They yep. they were ready for the storm. We're so used to now being able to survive anything, having water and our fingertips having food and the grocery store and the gas right. stations having right. all these things just available to us that we don't realize what we have. And once you like at the storm, once you don't have that right there, like the water wasn't working, you didn't have power. Mm-hmm. It, it was a good possibility that you were going to freeze to death if you didn't know what you were doing. And so now that I think that opened a lot of people's eyes. I've seen a lot of people get solar, get, uh, get, uh, generators. And it's like mm-hmm. now who's the crazy one.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, we have, I bought a nice generator here. Um, we're actually I just signed the contract this last week. We're put, we're getting solar put on our house. As so well, of course, it's also to help with the the rising electrical costs. But uh, you know, if you're preparing and you do things that set you apart from the system, see, I, I'm a I'm an unabashed capitalist, right? I, if we start talking about politics stuff like that, I'm an unabashed capitalist. So if you don't like that, oh, oh well. But regardless. I like the fact that there is a system where I can just go get whatever I want. Mm-hmm. The dilemma is depending so much on that system that you can't live without it and thinking that it's just, oh, it, taking for granted or just being naive to think, oh, it's just always going to work the way it works right now. No, it is a intricate balancing act mm-hmm. to keep our system afloat. And while it's afloat and going well, yeah, like we're not talking about hoarding, we're talking about Stocking up on, so that when the supply chain, now what's crazy is the last two and a half years have legitimized us preppers basically, um, with the supply chain, with inflation, with you know the way Uncle Sam handled, you know the the epic that you know the the pandemic, all that stuff. has kind of proved to a lot of people that we're, as a society kind of behind the eight ball. And I think people are on the prowl now for good actionable information on how to insulate themselves from the mood swings of society. And that's how we do it. That's why we prepare. Mm-hmm. That's why we think ahead. That's why we make sure we've got some water. That's why we make sure we've got some food. That's why we make sure we've got some medical and we have a plan to execute. And then we teach our friends and family about it.
0: Yeah. And I think um, it's really popular now because of what's going on, but it's also a lot of people still think like, oh, you're going to go out in the woods and survive. It's like, no, I'm, I'm preparing myself not for a world ending, you know, doomsday thing. I'm preparing myself for two or three days without something. You know, even in a natural disaster, it's like 72 hours before anybody can come help you. You know, a lot of these yes. things.
1: Do not underestimate if you're a new listener or you're do anybody. I don't care if we're in a long term prepper. I have to teach myself this. Do not underestimate what we talked about earlier—the difference between book knowledge and then the physical aspect of so of being able to do it. So you know, you're talking about survivalist. You're talking about going out in the woods and learning how to build a fire from scratch, staying in a cold overnight or the heat overnight, feeling what. What that does is that actually mentally and physically trains you for hardship, Mm -hmm. whatever the hardship is and whatever whatever the stress is. We call it what stress inoculation. So you may not be training to go out and bug out survive military style because of World War three or or, or, you know, civil unrest. What's happening is as you learn the the skills of building a fire, your critical thinking skills, your mental fortitude and your physical fortitude becomes expands. And then you're teaching yourself. I know how to live and and survive. I know not even survive. You know I know how to thrive. I know right. how to take care of things um, outside of being stressed out. I because I know I physically can do it. Let's take your physical physique for example. You were a big dude. I'm fat right now. I trust me. In my a couple of my videos, people are calling me out. I I get haters. You know, and they're like, "What's up, fat?" Person, blah blah. Look, I know I, I'm ebbing and flowing with my physical health. I'm an older man. I work full time. I'm a dad and husband. And I, you know, yes, I might be making excuses, but the reality is, life gets ahead of me sometimes, and I, I go backwards on my physical fitness. I mean, you did a great job moving from overweight to physically fit. But as you talk to me, it's it, you're still ebbing and flowing with it. It's yeah, not like
0: it's a struggle. Um, it's it's just a balance. You know, you have to realize that. One you can look really good and be miserable. Yeah. Or you can eat really good and feel miserable. So it's kind of a balance and now I'm kind of figuring out what I can eat, what makes me happy if I eat it and still be able to keep a workout, you know, keep myself yeah. healthy because at the end of the day it's all about how healthy can I be for my children?
1: Yeah, physically capable. But then what I, and but and also mentally capable. Mm-hmm. I now mentally know I can handle an amount of stress. Oh yeah. You know, an amount of of hardship, an amount of, um, not hardship, I'm struggling right now to to think of it, but you know how like sometimes when you're trying to figure out a problem, like a math problem or financial problem, and you struggle through the mental like putting that puzzle together, but then you get the puzzle and you're like, ha, 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 Mm -hmm. your mental capacity expands. Oh, yeah. You know, your critical thinking skills, your ability to solve problems, and, um, and which is, I'm going to say even more useful than just having a bunch of guns and ammo stored up is mm-hmm. having the ability to solve intense, acute pro acute problems. Yeah. You you, know?
0: just, you have to guyber it, you know, you, yeah, know what yeah, you yeah. got, um, with the weight loss thing is, um, I, I, I didn't make a lot of mistakes. I, I've learned from mistakes I've talked to you about it yeah. the other day that I went to the extreme because it's all in your head. And I think a lot of people should just take it step by step. I, I went full 100%. I went to the extreme, and um, I, got, I, I paid the consequences. You know, I, I really wanted to feel better. I wanted to look better. I wanted it so bad that it became an obsession. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I passed out because I wasn't eating enough, you know? Yeah. So now I went from the extreme of overeating to undereating, and I thought I knew my body. I thought I knew what I was doing, and I was losing weight, but it wasn't healthy. You know? Right. And I got down to where I wanted and I felt good and I felt better, but I was doing it wrong for the wrong reasons. And yeah. now I think that woke me up. I uh, I sat down and a buddy talked to me. He said, Look, man, that could have been you passing out in the car.
1: You could have been having to evacuate or cut a neighbor's tree down because it fell in a hurricane and you pass out with a chainsaw in your hand. Yeah. It, I mean, it's like, I'm not trying to be fearful, but these are
0: real scenarios that could yeah, happen. Yeah. 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 I mean, the worst to me was when he said, you could have been in the car crashed it and with your kid in there, How, and that just made me feel like, what am I doing? Yeah, why am I doing all this to make myself feel a little better about the way I look? You know, why am I trying so hard? Like this is not what I wanted from the beginning. I wanted to be healthier, mm-hmm. but somehow it turned into a look because you know, I've been I've been thinner. I gained weight. I went back. I, I, it's like it's like a cycle for a lot of people like me. Mm-hmm. And it, I have this like body dysmorphia. You know, a lot of times. Either I was really good shape and I thought I couldn't do stuff because I used to be thicker. And then the other way, too, is like now I think I can still do stuff, but I can't because I'm not in the same shape I was. And it's like this concept, physical battle that's 90 percent mental. Like I can mm-hmm. do the work. I can, you know, force myself to do stuff. But it's like the mental battles you have with yourself. is something that I had to go through. And I finally thought I knew what I was doing. And then, boom, passed out. And I kept thinking, why is this going on? Why am I doing these things that are going to affect my children? What's happened if, you know, God forbid it happens again and I pass out and that's it for me, you know? Yeah. My kids have to live without me. You know, my wife has to go on without me, but it's because I was making irrational choices for no reason
1: yeah and like you said going too far extreme with one what like a tunnel vision you know like well i guess with you you're saying it's like the way you look your physique and you're like man i'm looking all ripped and cut um but you're dehydrated and you're mal you're you're malnourished and it's interesting because you know like when you look at like bodybuilders and stuff they're not the healthiest Oh, no. people right whether they like to admit it or not but then you look at like people who do functional fitness strongman type competitions right mm-hmm. where they're picking up rocks and they're moving things and they're well, and they usually always have like a healthy padding on them you know what i'm saying yeah. they're not and they're and they're you know they're eating a, a wide variety of calories as opposed to just a ton of protein you know <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and, and but they're super capable like my my little brother christopher was very strong when he was younger like just ripped strong look great and uh of course i was lighter at the time too but i've never been as strong as him like he he and my other brother matthew were just really strong like big strong you know guys and i'm always you been the smaller you know wiry skinny guy but we were like washing the his car washing and waxing his car once and he couldn't even do it because his arms were getting too tired mm-hmm. you know he can bench press Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds, but he can't wax his car. And he's like, it's just different. Like I could wax his car, wax and wash the car and then go mow the lawn and then go chop down trees all day long and just do it, you know, but I can't pick up, but I couldn't bench press 350 pounds like him, you know, but so I, I, I want to be more capable. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to. So I'm out rucking and I'm putting my backpack on and am I losing tons of weight and looking physically, you know, fit? enough no i'm not look guys i know i know what i look like i look i get it i got a i got a belly when i put on a backpack you can see that i have a belly um and on one or two of my videos there's a lot of comments on like you shouldn't be giving workout tips my guy hey man you're just a fat f you know what i'm saying i'm like look i get it i just laugh at them because you're telling me something i don't already know here's the difference between me and you keyboard warrior i get up and i go hike I know that even at the weight that I'm at right now, I can hike for 15 miles unaffected. I, I do three to five a day when I'm out in the field, uh, and then when I'm home every you know, every few days I'm, with 40 pounds on my back, and I'll hike for two, three hours. Now it won't even wear me down. I'm not necessarily losing tons of weight, but I'm more capable than most. I know this confidently. Rucking with a rifle and my backpack hiking around odd terrain for two, three hours where most people would want to take a rest,
0: I, uh, even though I'm fat. I told my wife, I think something that's overlooked in the Prepper and Survival Committee is your physical ability. Yeah. You know, can you do what you want to do? And uh, for a long time, I always thought I was strong. You know, I did a lot of heavy weights and mm-hmm. I was always a big guy, but I couldn't walk. I could not walk right. a mile. I couldn't run a mile. I couldn't yeah. do anything. And what's the point of being that big that strong if what i really need to do i can't do right so that's that's one thing i was doing in this time when i lost all the weight was i walked i walked and i walked and i walked until i was able to run and then i ran and the first time i ran 30 minutes straight on a treadmill i called my wife and i was like oh my god i just did something i've never thought i could that's awesome. And then it went to an hour. I can run a whole hour without stopping. I, was, I, was, I wasn't just sprinting. I was running. And that's like, I i don't even think I can do it now, but I probably could. It's the mental thing. It's Right. I, 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 I progressed so far that my, my mind wasn't catching up to my body. And yeah. Like I said, I did it extreme. I lost over 80 pounds in three months. Bro. That is crazy. But I was so strict on my diet. I was so strict on my working out. I was working out two to two and a half hours a day. I was killing it, doing cardio, doing weights. And it wasn't until later on that it affected me because I think for a long time I was relying on the fat I had. I was using Mm -hmm. it as a a backup. You know, that's why I was losing so much weight because my body wasn't getting what it needed. So I was using the fat. And then when I got down to a smaller uh, BMI... It hit me like a house of bricks, man. I, I've i never passed out before. And so that when it did, when I did pass out.
1: Were you in the middle of a workout or were you literally just hanging out?
0: I was, I was at work. I was uh, talking to one of my buddies who just happens to be a firefighter. Nice. And we were just talking and talking. And then it hit me. I felt nauseous. Like, I'm about to puke. I saw spots. I was like, oh, my God. I grabbed his shoulder and I was like, hey, I'm about to pass out. And that's the last thing I remember. I woke up on the floor, him looking over me, talking on the radio, calling, you know, hey, we need some medics over here. He carried me. You know, he got me up, walked me to the mm-hmm. fire station, which, like I said, it happened to be literally next door to where I was. Oh, thank goodness. They got me there. Started putting all the stuff on me. I did not know what was going on. I, it seemed like I was in a movie. It seemed like I was drunk. Yeah. And then they're checking me out, and I'm sweating. I'm like, "Why am I sweating so much? I mean, I was just pouring sweat, I felt cold, and the one thing that I just couldn't stop thinking about it's like i I almost died i that's did the, you go to a doctor i did not i um I realized my mistake, and I started eating better, and I'm better now
1: okay 'cause you so was your body- you feeling like your body was just having a, a like an adverse reaction? like what was it doing eating your own muscle and then it didn't It was starving, or
0: I think it was a bunch of factors, man I think because they checked me out. My blood pressure was okay. My sugar was okay. Everything was okay. But since I was I was doing it more extreme than I was before, so I was just ramping it up more and more and more to a point where I wasn't eating enough. Now, eating That's enough, ironic
1: that the more capable you are, the more physically capable you come. the more eat. you can push yeah. and the, like and push yourself over the edge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then I was doing so much work. Like I'll, I'll tell you, the, the, the week that... Yeah, go for I, it. I kind of stuck up to that. So doing all this stuff, I could not sleep. I don't know why I felt so awake. I It messed my sleep schedule. So for like two or three nights before that happened, no sleep at all. I mean, just the whole day watching my phone, just laying in bed, tossing and turning. And I'm like, why am I not able to sleep? And I, I was tired, but I just could not sleep. And I think it was because I was not eating enough. I, I was so malnourished that... My body was telling me, "Wake up, go eat something." Hmm. And so, I had that going on. And I'm a physical guy, so I get home from work after a long day, and I go and work on the yard. I'm out there cutting the lawn, doing this, doing that, and so I'm sweating and uh, burning all these calories. And then I hit the treadmill, and then I hit the mm-hmm. weights. So all that together knocked me out. And it's a uh, so I've never been that extreme. And I've never knew how far I can push myself, but I I felt, I felt good. Like they were checking me out looking at all my stuff. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm sick. I don't feel like I'm not eating enough. I feel good, but it's that my body, that wasn't the way that's my, that's the way my body was telling me, Hey, you need to stop. Yeah. Chill out. You're going too fast. You're going too far. Next time it's not just going to be passing out. You know, there's going to be consequences to it. And like I said, luckily, I was in the right place at the right time with the right people. Mm -hmm. They they were checking me out, putting a bunch of stuff on me, getting all these reads. And I'm just looking around the room at all these firefighters looking at me. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? Does does my happiness really rely on this? Right. And it doesn't. man. I, I sat down for a long time and thought and thought and thought. And now I know that it's not about how I look anymore. You know, I'm not a young guy trying to, you know, find, find a mate. I have my wife and she loves me no matter what. I have my children. And it's like, why do I care so much? You know, but it's that it's human nature to try to appeal, you know, to look good, to be at your best, but not at, not at that cost. So now I'm living my life where I eat what I want. I enjoy the food. I just make better choices.
1: Right. And don't over eat in big portions and then keep yourself physically active to actually utilize those ca- calories
0: and then work out every third day, you know, before it was every single day. Now, if I don't feel like it, I don't feel like it.
1: Hmm. I guess some people need, need the discipline of every day. Um, I know I probably mm. am one of those, but then if you form a good rhythm where it's like every other day or something, at least you're, you're keeping yourself, uh, you sustaining. I'm going to equate what you're saying to the tunnel vision of that, to some of the tunnel vision preppers get, um, and, from the outside looking in from like new preppers or new people wanting to be prepared and they look in and they, they go to YouTube or they go to podcasts or they go to blogs and then you see these preppers who are prepping for like very specific niches you know, very tunnel visioned, like one, you know, some type of prepper who basically is like all about the guns and ammo, mm-hmm. you know, or is all about the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the self the the stockpile of 20 year shelf life food you know they don't have any stuff they, they they can't do anything right now in an acute you know but they've they've got 10 years worth of food stored because they spent all this money on that and and they get so wrapped up and so hyper focused that there's they you know they give information and a lot of it's valuable information you know like in a vacuum
0: but there's an extreme to everything
1: right and and for those of us or the people who are just coming into the community or coming in now, you see the extreme version you're like well i can, how am I supposed to keep up with that I can't do that that's so overwhelming i can't and 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 you know then we um compare ourselves to what we see well that's what a prepper's supposed to be or you know and you're well i'm supposed to look like this and a physically uh a healthy person looks like this you know look like conor mcgregor or whatever and is that lean Re- not realizing no that person trains his body for a specific sport for a specific time period uh, you know at a for a specific event for you know and to get so hyper focused is a detriment to not only ourselves but but people who we say we want to help mm-hmm. and that's why i like and to bring you in and i want to talk with you know and talk with people who have large followings to say we all need to take a break have you heard of the casual preppers i have dude those guys are rad and what i do like about them is extreme preppers sometimes get bent out of shape about about how they you know approach it but um to have a more list holistic approach um and to do some of the stuff that's not sexy like you know you and i talked and you've got lots of water things right but do you right now how much water is stored in your home, ready to drink?
0: Mm, two cases of forty water bottles, in which the fridge.
1: yeah, which is not a lot, a lot, right? Yeah. And so we overlook real priorities. And I'm not calling you out to be a a dick or anything. It's just a, a I, this is something I find over and over and over again is um, even among the the in the among preppers among survivalists. Um, or among new ones. Like, I I can't, I'm, if I had a dollar for every time somebody's like, hey, I'm just getting into prepping, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking for property. I'm looking for property and what guns should I buy? I, I had to, so many people, like, I need bug out property. And then I asked them, neat, but like, how much water do you have? Literally right now, drinking water in your home, there's an emergency, the main on your street blows and there's no water pressure. You have no water in your house for three or four days. How much water? Drinking water. Well, I have a tank that I could go go get water. I have a carrying thing. I'm like, awesome, just like everybody else. And where are you going to get it from if your entire grid doesn't have water right now? Are you going to go to the lake? Okay, how far away is the lake? What? The lake is a 20-minute drive? Well, in an emergency, do you really want to take 20 minutes to come back and get your stuff that you've never used before fired up? Mm -hmm. When in reality, right now, gallons of water are 88 cents a gallon, and we can... The unsexy version of get three days worth of water stored up under your bed. Mm -hmm. It's transportable. It's basically stored indefinitely. And we get ourselves so um, hyper focused on what could be. We miss sight of like, and that's why I'm equating the health thing. You get so hyper focused on what could be that you neglect what we need Mm -hmm. right now.
0: I think a lot of it too is all these new gear coming out and you're like I need that. I it's need awesome. That. Yeah. Don't get it's it, it, it makes sexy. Feel good. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I I look like the prepper now. I have this really cool thing that's going to work if I ever need it, but now I don't have any water.
1: Right, exactly. And and to be fair, to be real, um, you know, one or two cases of having something's better than having nothing, everybody. Mm-hmm. I want having something is better than nothing. The um, you know, the two cases of water that you have in your fridge. My wife has one of those in her car, you know, so you want to have that. Uh, but it's so easy to go by right now to go to H-E-B. Shout out to H-E-B. Love H-E-B. Greatest grocery store on the planet. Uh, the one gallon water jugs that are square that you can just stick under the bed. Two gallons per person you per just day. Forget about it. And now, you know, there's no shadow of a doubt that and you work in water. Mm-hmm. You know how easy it is. To not have water in your home instantly. Oh, yeah. Right? Like in uh, Midland, well, out where I work in Midland, uh, well, I, actually it was Odessa, I think it was. Uh, but I don't know, two months ago, they had a main, a huge main water main burst going to the city. 80,000, they said. It was uh, like 12 different neighborhoods instantly had no water. Mm-hmm. That evening, all the hotels filled up. You couldn't find a hotel within 40 miles of the city because people wanted to take a shower. And they want to drink water. And they instantly, literally instantly had no water pressure. So there, there's a false sense of security, security to think that like, oh, well, in, a, you know, in an emergency situation, we usually still have water. Yes. Most of the time, we still have water. But when the freeze happened, Mm-mm. people's water went away almost immediately.
0: I think it's, it's also you need a second pair of eyes to look at your stuff. Like when we talk to each other, yeah, I notice you're missing stuff that I focus on a lot. And I'm missing stuff that you focus on. Right. Like, exactly. It's like if nobody tells me I'm doing it wrong, I'm just gonna go along for it forever.
1: And if I'm not teachable and humble, yeah, I have to do that as well. And
0: none of us are masters at this, right? You know, we're all—I like to call us jacks of all trades. We know mm-hmm. a little bit of everything, but we, we're not masters of everything. You know, and there's stuff we don't know, and that's one thing. Doing this is you're constantly learning. I. I go and buy new books all the time, watch new videos. There's a guy on YouTube, and he'll put out a video, and I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, And it's like, that is so simple. I've been doing this so long, and this guy in five minutes just blew my world. You know? He just blew my mind, and it's like, wow. It's like, wow, I've been doing this. Why did I not just think of that? That's adding one thing. Like, I don't know if you see, uh, there's this guy on YouTube. um, He's just... A prepper but he doesn't really like go too crazy and he said look i have a tiny little stove that you can make and buy at walmart for really cheap and so he buys uh, i think it's a not a husky it's a brand mm-hmm. but anyways uh, he gets this brand of uh it's like a little coffee cup and you open it up and it has two little coffee cups in it yeah he buys a metal cup that fits right into it perfectly and he just keeps buying stuff that just fit into it perfectly and creates this really nice cooking kit. Like a little nesting doll. Yeah, everything co- nesting in each yeah. other. And, and I'm like, that is awesome. And it's half the price of what you buy a main brand for. And Yeah. It's so simple, but it's like you overlook it because you see these companies coming out with really nice stuff. And you're like, that's what I need. That's what I need. But when it comes to surviving and prepping, what it comes to is what can you do with what you have? You know, if you can That's where we want people to start. Yeah, if you can't afford it, don't go out and yeah. buy it. Start off with simple, cheap stuff. I I have kits that I made from the dollar store. Yeah. And they work. They're not amazing. They're going to. They're one-time use, basically. But it's like when you need it. Yeah, but it, for four bucks. Yeah. Five bucks. You have a knife, a lighter, mm-hmm. and then cook with for a dollar. Yeah. Uh, I, I,
1: I personally get apprehensive talking to people about buying just the cheapest thing just to have something now there's got to be a starting point and if all you have is five bucks it's you know or 10 bucks or whatever it is it's great to know that you can get something um but i also like buy once cry once and Mm -hmm. if you're gonna buy gear buy good high value gear uh that you can use over and over again but at the same time like it, it completely in line with what you're saying you we're not talking about, if you're in a city, if you're a suburban, even if you're, you know, country living, there's sort of some sort of prepper stuff baked into country living, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're already a bit more self-sufficient. You already um, live, live a lifestyle where, like, you know, you don't everything isn't perfectly working all the time, you know, and you're insulated from some events. So, But if you're suburban, if you're in the city, we're not talking about uh, going so in-depth and upheaving in your entire life to become a, quote, dun, 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 prepper. We're just talking about Adding actually adding um, the good things to once again if you with food, start with what you already buy if you already go to the grocery store and you already know that you like this brand of canned beans, just buy a few more of them mm-hmm. if you're already the type of family who is a suburban family or or, a, or an urban family or even slightly you know just still lives close and you you grocery shop often once or you know once a week or more. And and like the kids like box macaroni and cheese. Awesome. Buy they're so cheap. Buy four more. Get four ahead and then just cycle through through those. Start with what you already eat and get an extra week, an extra two weeks, an extra month ahead of of that. Have some water under your bed. Have some small med boo-boo kits because those 90 percent of med, of medical emergencies are boo-boo kit emergencies mm-hmm. or scrapes and cuts and burns, you know, and then have a have a basic plan okay in the event of an emergency we're going to do this and then let some you know uh the fruit it might we know that freezes can happen here in texas so we've got a family in oklahoma and if we know a storm's coming through we're going to visit our family for the weekend and we're going to let them know and that's a plan a Mm -hmm. you know that's all we're talking about.
0: that's it this is having a plan and I have a I have a little saying, and I, you can see it in my videos. If you guys don't know, uh, unknown survival on TikTok, just give myself a shout out.
1: Unknown survival on TikTok, and you have a YouTube channel, which I do. You, I want you to do more YouTube because I'm, I'm a YouTube fan.
0: I'm gonna do more YouTube. I uh, I did a last That's where I started. Was in YouTube. I uh, I saw the people making videos, and when you get into stuff like this, you almost have to have a passion for it, man. It's like there's so much involved in this kind of community. It's crazy when you start out. I was so overwhelmed. With knowledge at first, and I was like, "How can I do this?
1: you are my my target audience or the overwhelmed newbies yeah, that's what I'm like hoping to help as much as I can, anyway, go, yeah yeah
0: and so watching these videos, and I was like, "You know what? this video that this person made it helped me, so I want to do the same. I yeah. want to keep it going. I want to get to a point where somewhere out there somebody is going to be like, "You know what? thank you because mm-hmm. of this." I was able to do this, I was able to something, and that's like that's all I want, yeah, is to be able to teach people, and like I said, we're not experts, we never claim to be experts right there's a hundred guys that are better than me starting fires, but there's mm-hmm. also a hundred guys that are worse than me starting fires right, right we got to find that middle ground where you have the necessities to survive, you have the necessities to be able to provide for yourself if worse came to worse but when it comes to stuff like this, prepping, survival, it is scary. It's it I, can be. I, I was I was on the other side not that long ago, looking at these videos, people bringing out these super expensive uh, generators and all this stuff, and I'm like, I, I can't afford that. I not right can't now, uh. especially when I said I started doing this, I was making a lot less money. So yeah, where I work at in, I had to figure out what do I buy? How do I start? And I did that.
1: If you want, you know, cause we like some of the canned food, let's say canned food or non-perishables, you know, your boxed macaroni and cheese, your, you know, your bags of uncle Ben's rice that you just heat up, you know, uh, things like that. Um, yes, they have an expiration date. Some people don't know this, but like canned food, so long as the can isn't damaged, you know, like that, if it's not swollen or damaged, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It'll last almost indefinitely. They have sell by dates on them. They, uh, you know, even really what it is is some of the freshness might go away. So, like, you know, if you get a can of, you know, beans that's six years old, then it's, it, some of the freshness is going to go away, but they're still edible. But form what we used to do is I would, you know, we had our dried goods stored up like rice, beans, powdered milk, which I do now. Um, but for the canned foods, for the non-perishable foods, um, we typically, which once again, life is busy, but... We usually, in January, we go through all of our preps. So in January, after Christmas, after the holidays, um, you know, by the end of January, you're getting your W-2s and you're trying to file taxes and things like that. Um, That's when my wife and I would go through our prepper lists, our checklists. And, you know, we would be like, okay, well, we used this this winter. We did this and we would re-up. Okay, let's cycle out our foods. Let's eat some of the beans. Let's eat some of the macaroni and cheese. Let's eat some of the, or let's donate them and, and restock up. Because the reality is when you're talking about mac, box, mac and cheese, corned beef, you know, canned ham, canned chicken, corned beef, uh, corned beef hash, which we eat that on a day. My kids love corned beef hash. You Any of those uh, for a hundred bucks. The reality is for a hundred bucks, you can have yourself food and water for several days sitting in a box. Uh, And then
0: shout out to corned beef. You like corn beef? I do love, dude, corn, I beef. love corn beef. <laughs> I, dude, I and I'm from East Coast so I think you said it 3 times. Dude, I love it?
1: <laughs> I I love corn beef. My uh, corn beef hash, corn beef and potatoes, so yummy. Uh I just I just like it. Is some it? some of my friends call it alpo cuz you know, the canned stuff. You know? <laughs> it's a it's a Texas thing though for sure. Yeah, I love corn beef. I love corn beef hash. I love any of those things. Um but corn, green beans, chickpeas, uh baked beans. Canned chicken, canned ham—I don't care, Spam, which is basically canned ham. Uh, You're looking at, uh, uh, you know, canned tuna, Uh, any of that stuff. Well, I mean, just last indefinitely. You can stockpile it easily in, you know, Rubbermaid containers, and then every January, once a year, cycle through, and then you know, use some of your tax return money to re up it. You know, Um, form a budget of $10 a month so that by by the next january you've got 120 bucks and you can just restock the food it's like literally that simple to be able to do or you go to costco and you buy you know bulk beans or you buy bulk you know however you want to do it but just to have a run and gun three or four days worth of easily prepared like canned soups, you can just eat it right out of the can mm-hmm. i do it all the time you might think i'm weird but i do i eat chef boyardee right out of the can when I'm out in the oil field for seven, eight days at a time, you know, and there's no place to cook, you know, Dinty more beef stew. Are these the healthiest options in the world? No. No, I understand that. Well, I mean, canned green beans and canned corn and canned vegetables are, I mean, they're reasonably okay. There's a lot of them are salty, but you can get low-sodium versions. But we're talking about if you're hungry, eat it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you and I have started testing out these like you know ready wise and Four patriots and some of the stuff they make is good some of it's garbage same thing with the backpacker dehydrated you know freeze-dried meals i'm finding i've eaten mountain house for a long long time backpacking and hunting there's a whole host of them out there now that you can buy some are junk mm-hmm. and in the individual companies it's crazy where like like you might have one company that You know, like their beef stroganoff is legit, but their chicken and rice is the worst thing you'll ever eat, you know? Is that your phone? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so just, you know, you can test them out, but get yourself some canned food, some pox mac and cheese, some, you know, some prepackaged Uncle Ben's rice, put it in a Rubbermaid container, in a flat Rubbermaid container that can fit under your bed, uh, get you know, two gallons of water per person per day. That's my starting point minimum. Get a couple of flat cases of water like uh, like all Jose here has to. And all of that stuff is A, at the ready, and B, transportable, or C, you can just eat right there. If you have no power, everything I just talked about, with the exception of the box macaroni and cheese, everything else, canned soup, canned beans, canned meats, you can eat without heating them up. Mm-hmm. They're already cooked. I They're ready was, to go.
0: I think the biggest thing you have to take from this is, and I'll just sum it up. Yeah, been, dude, go I, for it. I've been thinking about it before we we're talking. Is uh, Yeah. What can happen will happen. You know, some of these basic laws. Um, like Murphy's Law. Murphy's, right? law, law, Murphy's yeah. law, yeah. If, if worst case scenario, it's going to happen. You know, it's, it's not if, it's when. When it's going to happen, are you going to be ready for it? Are you going to be, because honestly, here in Texas, we've gone through stuff in the last Two or three years that we've never gone before, you know? I've lived here my whole life, and stuff that I'm dealing with now, I'm like, I didn't have this as a kid. You know, some stuff is Mm world-changing. Some things are just us. And now you have stuff like in Florida, and it's like, this is why we do it. We don't – we're not crazy. We're not, you know, doing these things because we're trying to fight zombies. By the way, if zombies do happen – I'm ready for them. Yeah. I'm kind of (laughs) excited about zombies. But uh, if it doesn't happen, even if nothing – happens you're at least prepared and we're better off yeah and the mindset of now you're living a life without worrying
1: you know yeah uh, you're 100% right you're actually just being proactive in life you're not Mm -hmm. being passive in life you're not letting life happen to you you are I guess for lack but dictating the circumstances of what your life is going to be like which is honestly more fulfilling Um, it's it, it it creates more stability. Uh, it creates and it creates stronger people.
0: I remember uh, a stronger society. Yeah, I think it was a year or two years ago. I saw this thing on the news that a guy got stranded in a snowstorm in his car and he ate Taco Bell sauce. Yeah, I saw that. Him. Yeah, yeah,
1: Taco Bell sauce yeah. for what, like seven days or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he,
0: it was only a couple of them, and I'm like, I have food in my car. You know, yeah. you have some kind of food in your car. We have some kind of water in our car. Yep. We have some kind He's of. You've seen the
1: inside of my truck as a. Looks like a bomb went off in there right now. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of gear, though.
0: And if you see, you've seen the back of my car? I yeah, have, yeah. I have stuff that never leaves my car. I have stuff that never leaves my wife's car.
1: My wife, she's same way. And when you have kids, she's, she leaves snacks and water in the vehicle at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she sees she's getting down just a few bottles of water, new case of water goes in there. Like she's diligent about it. Yeah.
0: Now let's see. Let's say that guy. If we would have talked to him a month before that happened, you think he would have been on our side of prepping? He'd have laughed at us. He goes, "No, man. You guys are, you know, because he wasn't yeah, prepared." Yeah, but
1: you suck down. You suck down ten hot sauce packets for a week. All yeah. of a sudden, you realize the value of. You know what? A gallon of water in all that. It's cheap, mm-hmm. and you know, ten dollars worth of. uh cliff bars and uh brief beef jerky yeah. in my vehicle.
0: That's all you need. It's, yeah. It, it's not the extreme version that we're on. It's like, we do so much of everything that we can't do the extreme. You know, we can't do so much story and so much having all this. It's like, we, you
1: You reminded me, you said, uh, what did you say a little earlier? And it, it popped in my head, popped back in my head. One of the books, prepper books i read recently, um, equated to being, be becoming a stock guyvalist. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you know how to stockpile. You're a MacGyver and you're a survivalist. All in one is a, is a well-rounded prepper. Now, once again, this book was an extreme prepper type thing, but stock guyvalist is what yep. he said. And I'm like, hey, that's not that bad of a term.
0: I think uh, doing this for so long, you start making words up. I know like, yeah. I'll do yeah. something, and i am like, ah, I'm gonna come up with a name with this because I don't see people doing it, mm-hmm. so I want to create it. But uh, and uh, for the future, if we do ever do write books, we're gonna have our. Oh, I'm in, in, in the there. middle.
1: I'm started. I just started writing a book. And I said, yeah.
0: we both. Are very similar. We ha- we are very like-minded people, but we are so different when it comes to the things we do because we have different aspects of our lives that mm-hmm. depend on it. You know what you do might not benefit me, right? And what right. I do might not benefit you, but but teamed up on we're whatever I'm lacking, you have, and what you're lacking, I have. Right? Know?
1: Especially if we communicate that we if we uh, want to assist, and I, I beat this drum with anybody I talk to and for my audience is that my heart is to serve Mm -hmm. my people serve you serve my family serve my community serve my church serve my city um and 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 make it so that we are not blindsided when uncle sam you know what you were were just talking about this a little bit ago um you've worked with fema Mm -hmm. we you've worked with some of the in place systems that the government has, and America's let's be fair, I, but you know, when when a fire went through Northern California, my boss was talking. Um, this was in the '90s. Um, he lost everything; lost their home. Massive fire went through. Same thing. Not long ago, we, we've had lots of friends lose homes and things like that. Um, but look, I don't want to offend. You. I don't care if I offend you. FEMA is woefully unprepared, and they tell me. That the first people on scene there in California that helped them out the most was Salvation Army. Here in Texas, HEB is usually the first – they're usually the first people to show up on scene with truckloads of stuff. We're talking about a company, corporation, that does nothing but dedicate money to making sure that there's disaster relief in the state of Texas or Louisiana, you know, Um, because the government – Sorry guys, they become too overwhelmed. They they're already spread thin and overspending our money and not spending it wisely. What makes us think that they're going to come to our rescue like knight in shining armors when when shit is hitting the fan when it's bad?
0: I think uh the magic number that I've come up with and I've seen a lot of people talk about this too is 72 hours. Yes. That is Three days. the magic number. 3 days, you're right. That's yeah. how long it takes for somebody to come and help you. You know, yeah. it takes time to get stuff ready. And moving to and deploy you're at. Yeah. It yeah. takes a lot of time, a lot of money. So, if you can survive for seventy-two hours by yourself, help should arrive. You know, and the, yeah, and that might be FEMA. Three days, it might, Three be, days. It might Food be medical. Yeah. Might be your neighbor. You know, right? But it takes time, and you have to be able to provide for yourself, for your family, for those seventy-two hours.
1: Yeah, yeah. That I'd like. That's a good place to button up. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about getting started and we talk about not being extreme, we talk about uh, not being paranoid. If you're ready for a 72 hour event for a 72 hour emergency, which I'm building a course now on to teach people how to get ready for a 72 hour emergency. But you know, let's just break it down real simple. Have some water, have some food, have some medical for that emergency as well. And have a plan in place for 72 hours worth of emergency, whether that's an evacuation plan or a stay at home plan. Uh, and you will be ahead of 90, literal 99% of everyone else just to do that.
0: And if you don't believe us, uh, how much toilet paper did you buy? Me?
1: No, them. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. How much toilet paper did you go out and buy? Cause I did not buy any toilet paper.
1: I didn't have to go buy food. Yeah. I didn't have to go buy any medical. Nope. In fact, when the freeze happened now, I want to give a caveat cause the friends who stayed here have corrected me. Um, Waco had no power. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, this block right here, we had some power, okay? Uh, but we had two other families with children staying with us. Um, and there were a plethora of reasons. Number one, I had plenty of food. Plenty. Mm-hmm. I mean, plenty of Nile food and plenty of stored food. Um, so we just shared with them. Uh, I have a freezer full of meat that I hunt. We had plenty of clean water stored up that I could send them home with water if we needed it. We had plenty of blankets i buy blankets at yard sales mm-hmm. we had plenty of blankets and sleeping bags because I, like i said i'll go buy them at yard sales ready to help people with So, and i'm not even talking about like people who only go to church with me one of those families we don't go to church with at all we're just friends the other family we go to church and they were at our home yeah we're, we took care we were able to take care of them
0: i think if people look back and realize like when this stuff happened if they were out there buying stuff you know on a panic right you were not prepared. You were part of that ninety percent. huh. You needed to change. You need to be able not to rely on it. Because our our system is literally hanging on a thread. Right. If that truck doesn't show up to that store, that's it. They don't have anything else. If something happens where the trucks can't come to you, you're not gonna have enough food and what's people, people are gonna go and take all that food. There's enough food for everybody there. Right, if yeah. We all go one at a time when we need right. it. But the moment everybody needs it, we don't have enough.
1: Right. And so just once again, I'm going to keep using this. My brand new phrase is preemptive disaster relief. They have disaster relief. Why don't you just do this disaster relief ahead of time? Mm -hmm. And then you don't even have to worry about it when there is a disaster.
0: Then you're doing post-disaster relief.
1: Yeah. And we're able to help people. Dude. Jose, it's awesome hanging out with you and meeting you and we'll do some more stuff later today and I'm, I think we might go pig hunting and and uh, we, just we have a new Blackbeard product to test out that they sent us and um, I'm just happy to be able to get you some cool gear, you know, uh, and that Blackbeard and 3 v gear were awesome enough to supply it so I could do a giveaway and so once again, give once more time, everybody, your handle as you're building up uh, information for people. What is it called?
0: Unknown Survival.
1: How'd you come up with the name?
0: It's a funny story. Okay, real quick, give it to so, me. So, starting up my channel, the hardest part was coming up with a name. Yeah, you need something catchy. You need something that's gonna be, you know, it's always gonna serve your purpose. And so, I needed to pick something out, and Unknown Survival worked in two levels. One, nobody knows me. Nobody knows right. who I am. I'm a new guy. I'm unknown. Right, I'm a known survivalist. And two, survival stuff is unknown to everybody else. Nobody knows the stuff unless they learn, unless they're looking for it. And I wanted to be that unknown, the mystery. That I wanted to be what caused the fear of unknown to disappear.
1: Oh, of the unknown. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't know it until we do it.
0: None of us. That's one of the biggest fears in humans is the mm-hmm. fear of unknown. That's why you're afraid of the dark. Cause yeah, you don't know what's out there, you know, right? You're afraid of the future because you don't know what's going to happen. It's the unknown fear, and I wanted to use that in my name to teach people like, don't there's nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. I am the unknown survival, I've been there, there's nothing there. It's it's okay, right? You know, but also that I'm a new guy starting out and I'm unknown, Nobody yeah,
1: me. that's awesome. Unknown survival in- Instagram, Yep. TikTok, which TikTok. is the bulkier stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and YouTube, YouTube, and I did, I I want more YouTube content, but of course I'm selfish, and and you have to you have to do what I want. Remember, I don't know. Yeah. Just kidding, uh, dude. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. You did great, by the way. First time podcasting, yeah. It's you a, did a spectacular job. Maybe you can go buy your own podcasting and, and you have your own podcast. I might it's do that. It's cheap, a, man. You can get started for next to nothing. Uh, con- congratulations on the giveaway. Thank you. Enjoy the gear. Put it through its paces. Do your own reviews, and uh, yeah. That's it. This has been a great one. I'm going to pick this one apart to give people content for our YouTube channel because there's a lot of good info here. I liked it. Um, blessings to you, man.
0: Thank you for having me, man. I uh, tell people are able to watch and listen to us. We just met. We sound like we're going off each other, but we literally... Literally, were... I met you today. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, I met you face-to-face today, and we had a phone call, what, a week ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But it's like when you do what we do and we're in this community, you become open to everybody. I didn't even
1: think to say that to people. Like... I literally met you for the first time this morning at 10 Mm -hmm. 10 o'clock, face-to-face, and we had a conversation five, six days ago on the phone Mm -hmm. for a little while, just getting to know one another. And that's something you said that the people that you've met in the prepper community, yes, there's some weirdos and some a-holes out there, but most of the time, we all just want
0: to help and get to know each other and help each other out.
1: Um, the The stronger we are as community, the better it is for society.
0: Yeah, and being a prepper and survivalist, it's like everybody is there for each other. That's the whole yeah, point. Yeah, I hope it's so. Surviving. It's yeah. I help you survive. You help me survive. It's being beneficial to each other, you know. But yeah. also, just teaching people, you know, having fun. We we don't do this because you know, we we need it. We need to have the money or nothing. It's we have passion for this stuff. You yeah, know? for sure. I do sort for fun. Yeah,
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, oh. thank you, said or like I said, oh. welcome congratulations you 're awesome been great talking to you we 'll have to make it a regular thing or do something i don't know we'll figure something out here in the future because you 're only relatively speaking up the road so um, everybody thank you for listening uh you know feel free to comment have the discussion below if you feel uh, you know be generous with your uh, with your commenting don 't be jerks let 's help each other out uh, and remember just because you 're prepared oh don 't forget you know we have merch go to my look peddling all the stuff i can't do this i can't make this stuff unless i have the financial resources to do so it gets expensive to make content but if you find it helpful if you really enjoy it please consider subscribing sharing uh with anybody else because we're, we're wanting to help that's what we want to do uh and yeah yeah i sell t-shirts and we have affiliate markets and all that kind of stuff but even if you don't even do that just want to thank you for being here and remember just because you're prepared doesn't make you paranoid
0: we out goodbye bye